755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening out in Seattle, Eric? Nothing, man. Beautiful day. How you doing? Beautiful day. We got baseball. Man, we are almost there. Against all odds. <laughs> yeah. Cross your fingers. I, I had my doubts, but it looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> I know. I keep. I feel bad because I was saying 50-50 a couple weeks ago. I should have been more optimistic. Yeah, and especially when the Braves had four guys test positive the first day. I thought, yeah. we're, we're not going <laughs> to get to the opening day. with They have 60 guys in the pool. They're going to need all of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But they've only they've they've not had uh, anybody test positive since then. They had Peter O'Brien was exposed to somebody, so he went on the uh, IL, but he he didn't test positive. And so basically, it was just the first guys on the first you know the first few days of testing. And, so it just seems like since. it's just guys trying to get in, like you know Puig failed, yeah. but he wasn't he wasn't a brave, but right, right intake basically. You know, getting in is hard, and then following the protocol, they seem pretty good. I think the Braves are doing a real good job with it. But even around baseball, you're not seeing yeah. a lot of guys like test positive and have to miss. I think most people are really are being pretty diligent. I mean, you're seeing some guys play in them. You know, Fra- yeah. you see if Frazier hit a 440-foot homer wearing one? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen a couple other guys playing in them too. I did a hike with one on yesterday. It wasn't that bad. You just breathe through your nose because if you you know you start getting that hot breath, it'll right. cost you. But right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I can't see running with one. That'd be difficult, but I guess playing baseball is a little different thing. I, I could see doing that. Yeah, baseball still, you know, you're not necessarily getting a super high heart rate at any point where you're breathing that heavy unless you take a right. trip around the bases. Most of it's kind of just station to station. Mm-hmm. I was surprised so, how many guys are wearing them. So the, a lot of guys in the dugouts, that kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of guys are wearing those uh, pull-up things like you wear a neck gaiter. Yeah, that's what Rossi's got with the Cubs. I see him on yeah. the bench managing, just pulls it up. Yeah, it's easier. Guy, I've seen some. That's what I've seen coaches and managers like Wash wearing one of those because it's easier just to pull it up than yeah. it is to take it off, put it back on, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, well, speaking of COVID, uh, Freddie Freeman is back, and he apparently needs only five days to prepare, <laughs> or less actually, considering the zero days. <laughs> oppo homer and double that he had off Sean Newcomb Monday night. Uh, and after the Braves deal with Yasiel Puig fell through, good that we spent most of the last show on Yasiel Puig because within hours he was <laughs> the deal had fallen through when he tested positive you, for COVID. You don't think if he clears, you know, in a week or two, they they consider signing him? You think that's just done? I think they would, but they've He's already signed pass. Matt Adams. I mean, they keep yeah. and they keep looking. At what point you're going to have a full? You're not going to be able to add him to the forty man, and how you where are you going to play him if you keep adding guys? But yeah, I think true. right right now they probably would. They could still use him, you know. Um, Matt's Adams is strictly a platoon guy, but I, he's got to pass first, though, you know. That, yep, and, he's got to go through the same thing, right? So, who's to say he's going to pass in the next month? You know, everybody it just took, assumes it took Freddie a couple of weeks or what, like ten and days. Had, and uh, and Freddie had symptoms and got through it faster than Will Smith, who hasn't had symptoms and still hasn't tested positive uh, to negative. Will Smith's never had symptoms. He's been out three weeks. God, that'd be frustrating. Tukey was out two weeks. He couldn't get back-to-back positive tests. Because did, did Tukey, he passed, and then he failed the second yeah. one and had to so pass had to start two. over. That so just makes very, you wonder how accurate the things even are. I know. I know. They're, well, they've said that they're not entirely accurate. You're having some false positives and some and negatives that should be positive. So, But, you know. You got to assume they're getting the best of the tests that are available. So, yeah. And that's what they're going off of. So, that's that's the thing. Um, so, yeah, the, the deal with uh, Puig fell through. So, the Braves kept, you know, searching for somebody who could do damage against right handed pitching, which he could do as a reverse splits guy. And they got a potential bench bat and DH candidate and backup first baseman. Uh, with Matt Adams, who signed a minor league deal Monday after opting out of its Mets minor league contract over the weekend, and the Braves had added Yonder Alonso, moved him from their uh, to their forty man roster. He had been in the on, in the sixty man pool, yeah. But he had a similar thing, I think, where he could opt out. A lot of those veteran guys, you know, as you know, could opt out, and so they had to put him on their major league roster. But 
a day later they get mad at him. So something's going to give there. There's going to be more moves between now and opening day. A lot, uh, several more moves, I'm sure. It's only they just what, open- two more days. They got to make the moves. Once uh, well, they got to Friday. Friday's Friday. They play Friday. Oh, until fr- go to Friday days. morning. But they leave Wednesday after after the after that day's uh, inter squad. So they want to have their roster in place. But they can always make a couple more moves after that if they want to. Yeah, I think some years you take – sometimes they'll take um, everybody with them when they leave and then make a move a little later and send them back. But this year you're not going to want to make a guy take an extra flight. No, not going to expose everybody. and have, Yeah, you know, and, and, no chance. And smaller planes, all that stuff. But um, So they, uh, they, they opened a couple of roster spots this morning, by the way, on the 40 by putting uh, Jacob Webb and Phil Pfeiffer – couple of relievers on the 45-day IL, which opens the spots like going on the 60-day IL. This year it's 45. Jacob Webb just can't stay healthy, man. That's your guy. We both liked him a lot last year as a rookie, but he had that elbow impingement. Now he's got a shoulder strain. So he's on the 45-day IL, which pretty much puts him out for the season, you know, at least half the season. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about with Hamels too, where it's like, you know, you, you hurt one one joint and you kind of favor it and, it, and another yeah. joint kind of takes a toll. That's frustrating though, because Webb. I mean, he well, first of all, he's huge because he's so versatile and, and he's got balls. You know, you feel like you could throw him into any situation. He's young. You feel like you could pitch him a lot. But I mean, he was just he was so good last year. Every time he stepped on the mound, I felt good about him. So that hurts. And uh, he looked good. You know, he came back. Uh, they brought him along slowly at spring training, but he had made an appearance at uh, late in spring, and then this at summer camp he made appearance and he. Uh, he looked good, but and Phil Pfeiffer was another guy who was real promising a lefty. But they've got so many lefty candidates, man. I mean, they yeah. can still have three or four lefties in that really in that bullpen if they want to. You know, coming out, Tyler Matzik. I think it clears the way for him. I think he was already going to be on added to the forty, but I'm I'm pretty certain he will be now. The guy, the former Rockies first rounder, that looks so yeah. good at spring training. That got over the yips from a few years ago. He's. Uh, and and uh, and Russin has looked good. Chris Russin, he looked good in yep. spring training. They've got a few lefties, man. They got some candidates. They could have three or four no, in the bullpen. Tucker Davidson throwing a hundred. Yes. Oh yeah, he's looked great. I thought uh, I thought Minner, even though he gave up a couple runs yesterday, I thought he looked really good. He was throwing a changeup that I haven't seen him throw. Uh-huh. You know, like with him, his his slider's just not enough of a difference speed wise and, and angle wise from his uh, from his fastball. But he threw some changeups yesterday. He got Riley swinging on one. He struck out Acuna on one. That's a pitch that, like, he's so close to being a closer. And I think that's one of the things is, you know, people just don't understand in baseball how close this guy you're sick of watching is close is yeah. to being your favorite pitcher. You know, it, it's just one adjustment, one little tweak. And if he can get that changeup going, the one he was throwing yesterday was nasty. Snit commented, uh, you know, after his first appearance in summer camp on how he looked a lot more like he did when he was their closer a few years ago. Yeah. When he first came up. And- so, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, they haven't decided yet whether to go with 17 pitchers or 16. Either way, they're going to have a plethora of pitchers to start on the 30-man roster, either 17 or 16. I'll say 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and one of them will be that fifth starter. Uh, is probably going to revolve and, and kind of evolve as we go along. You know, they had they stretched out Tomlin after King Felix opted out and Hamill's been hurt, you know, and Hamill's gonna start the season on the IL now with the triceps tendonitis. Um, so you got <laughs> it looks a lot different than it did when when we went to spring training and thinking about what it was gonna be. We thought it might be Soroka, Hamels, Freed, Fulty, and either King Felix or Sean Newcomb in that fifth spot. That's what remember when we went to spring training and for most yep. of spring training it was it. Now, and that was before Hamels, you know. His stuff lingered in spring training, so he was out of the picture. So you thought, okay, King Felix and Newcomb are both going to make it. Instead, now we're going to have Soroka, Freed, Newcomb, and Fulte in the first four spots and then fill in the blank with either Josh Tomlin and Kyle Wright as the leading candidates for that fifth spot right now. But they could also use an opener if they want to, you know, a time or two, or maybe they're coming out of the shoot if they, depending on whether they need Tomlin uh, as a reliever in one of those first four games. Wright has looked good. He just hasn't pitched much because he was two weeks, uh, you know, about a week behind the other guys coming in camp because he was exposed to somebody who had COVID. He didn't test positive himself, but he had to do the testing, the protocol. So he's only pitched once or twice during uh, during camp. I think he's going today or tomorrow against the Marlins. So, but he looked good and he feels good. So 
Uh, he's not really behind in, from that respect. So he's a candidate for the as little as he's pitched since spring training broke up. He did throw live BPs during that time and all that up in Nashville with a bunch of other people from Vandy. Not at Vandy because it was closed, but he had you know that group up there. There's a bunch of major leaguers, minor leaguers, uh, ex-Vandy guys. And he looks good. So you still got that fifth spot. And Tomlin's stretched out now. Tomlin, man, gives up a few too many homers for me. But as you point out, most yep. of them are solos. Yeah, but with with him, it's almost you know I'd want him on standby, yeah. Especially the first few times through the rotation, right? Um, it, Soroka, you can count on. Freed can run up his pitch count. Newcomb hasn't really shown his consistency yet. I think he's going to get there. Um, Fulty had an up and down year last year. Like you need at least one guy like Tomlin that you can just have sitting there waiting to just eat up. Even if he gets his ass kicked, you know he's going to go four innings. You know, yeah, so you, he, he almost has more value for me in the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Last year, 50 of his 51 games were in relief. You know what you could do with this piggyback thing they're going to do? You could piggyback Tomlin like in game one or two. Yeah. You could bring him back and piggyback him again in like game five and have, have right start. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, have and especially two, two innings. If he, well, I think if it was like a pitch, pitch two innings, he could have a day off and go two or three more. But um, if he goes four or five, you're going to need, he's going to need two days off. So, it's Nobody's going to be kind of tough. Five. Nobody's right. going four or five early. Tomlin could. <laughs> that's that's why I oh, think he could, he's so yeah. valuable because you could just he just get his ass kicked and then take his yeah. take his lickings and and it, you know he doesn't he never really for me just pitches terribly. He gets through his outings and sometimes he just yeah. deals. You know sometimes he shuts them down for three four innings. But he, just he having a guy that, that yes yeah, having a guy you can do that with is is huge right now. He talked about that last year his role. It was kind of a thankless role, you know, not glamorous at all. But he loved it. He said he loved the, the gratification of knowing Saving that he ate some innings and saved the back-end bullpen guys so they didn't have to use them in a blowout either way, down or up, uh, and that they were able to use those guys, you know, later in the series or the next day or whatever. And same thing for starters, not having to – he he liked being that guy that, that uh, saved the team so many times. And it's put the, together a mid three ZRA. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're not going to sell a lot of jerseys doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, we always had like Christian Martinez, and every time we needed him, the guy would go six out of the pen. Like we played, yeah. we played that 19 inning game yeah, against Pittsburgh that one time. Yeah. Christian throws six shutout innings and hits a double. And, you know, it's having a guy like that that saves you for days out of your pen, especially yeah. when you you know normal season you don't have as many guys, but. Yeah, I just I think you got to bank on right and hope he can give you a decent start when it comes to his time, even if he's a little behind right now. Right or Tuki Toussaint uh, might have might have nailed down that spot after King Felix opted out at the beginning of camp, but Toussaint missed all but the last week. He was activated uh, along with Freddie on Friday, and he missed you know all that time with COVID nineteen. Even though he tested positive, but never had symptoms, but he couldn't he couldn't. Uh, Passed the two tests yeah. required to get back in. A couple, and at least once he had a negative test, uh, but then positive the next time. So he had to start over. So he said it was very frustrating. And he was throwing against a fence, like you've talked about, a wall or a fence yeah. at his house. <laughs> and he wanted to throw with Will Smith. And the team said, as he put it, a hard, hard no. <laughs> they didn't want two <laughs> COVID guys, you know, throwing. Uh, just didn't, it, it's not the way to get either of them back, I guess. Just passing it back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Tukey too, man. He's another guy that, especially if you want to piggyback him with Wright, you know, I'd feel pretty good about that. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they'll find a way to get through that fifth spot, but it definitely hurts. I think it hurts having Keen Felix opt out, and I think it hurts, you know, this is a time where you kind of miss Julio because Julio Hamels, took the ball obviously. and was always available. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you could count on Julio to go five, but and, they'll and get through can- it. And you're not going to have an easy time through this. I mean, the stuff that they're going to be throwing at you is still going to be nasty. You know, and and when they let Julio go, when they didn't pick up his option and they let uh, Keuchel go, they were obviously rolling the dice by making their replacement a 36-year-old guy in Hamels who had some some health last year, you know? Yeah. So they took a risk on him. And so far, the risk is uh, not looking very good. You know, I mean, maybe he'll come back and pitch in the second half, in the second month of the season and the playoffs, and we'll forget all this because it won't matter. But right now you're going – you know, this is the guy that was supposed to stabilize the young rotation. And instead, they're, they're they've got the, the the only veteran stabilizing it is Tomlin. The rest of them are, you know, Fulte's the next oldest guy at twenty eight. The others are twenty six, twenty three, twenty two. 
Yeah, and Fulty, you know, he could be that. He's got that experience now for guys to lean on. But just as far as there's just something about a guy that you just, you know, is going to be consistent and always out there like Julio that just, you get to that spot in your rotation and and almost the whole pitching staff can just breathe for a minute and say he's got it today. Uh, And that's the only thing when you look at the rotation right now, you see it's just a ton of youth. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, with being able to have those extra spots in the pitching staff, you have three or four extra guys that can go along and get you right. through those games if there right. is a rough start or two. The only time you get in trouble is, is if two guys had bad starts back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, MLB has kind of covered their asses by having a 30-man roster. It's kind of hard to run out of pitchers if you do it right, yeah. unless you go with 15 pitchers instead of 16 or 17 maybe, and you burn through a bunt, too many of them. But, you know, with uh, – <laughs> It's going to be interesting, but the only guy I feel really entirely comfortable with is Soroka. I know what I'm going to yeah. get, like you're talking about with yeah. Julio. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with Free. I mean, as long as he avoids blisters, Free's, he's pretty nasty, and 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 it's coming all the time, getting better and better. <laughs> yeah. But I think Nuke and Fulte, I think it's a roll of the dice, man. Fulte, they're the two oldest guys in the rotation, and they're the two you know, of the four, and they're the two that I would be concerned would could get blown out in the first inning. Yeah, and we might be being a little harsh on Fulte. You know, after his second half last year, I was pretty confident in, in what yeah. he could do. And, you know, and he's great in game two with the division series. Yeah, Outpitched Flaherty. People forget that. Yeah, he did. And it's a tendency to just think about that one outing in the playoffs. Yeah. But overall, I mean, he, yeah, he for, for basically 75% of the last two years, he's been pretty nasty and pretty reliable. It was just yeah. that, that bad first half last year and then one playoff start. But yeah. Yeah, he's True. just he's a guy that when he if he puts it together, man, he can carry his staff too. So Hamels will open the season on the IL, as will reliever Will Smith. So that's their two biggest offseason pitching additions. <laughs> the $18 million starter and the three year forty million dollar reliever. And Laid through up. no fault of Will Smith's own. I mean, yeah. you know. He's gotta be frustrated. Yeah. Does he have any symptoms? No. From all I've heard, <laughs> he's had no symptoms. God, that'd be Atlanta frustrating. guy, you know, so, so excited to be a brave and yeah, he comes back out, to waiting. Atlanta <laughs> and to start with his friends and family can't come see him pitch because of COVID, and then yeah. he gets COVID, and now he's not even going to be able to pitch to start the season. <laughs> so his first year back with the hometown Braves is not getting off to a resounding start. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's got to be itching to get out there. But I'm sure, being a veteran that he is, I know he's keeping his arm in shape. So like, uh. Tukey, you know, missed two weeks, and he looked great. For you would have never known that first game back that Tukey had missed two weeks because he looked as sharp as anybody that first game back through a crisp inning. So, I would expect when Will Smith, you know, he's a he's a, he's not a starter; he's a one inning guy. So, I would expect once he tests, once he clears the protocols, it won't take him long to be right back in there doing the role that he came here to do. So, but it's got to got to do the negative test first. Could happen any time. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough managing a team, too. It's just, you know, trying to make these moves, and you could lose another guy any minute, too. Yeah, the, uh, you know, Tukey said that, uh, you know, he was talking about how frustrating it was, but the fact that he kept himself in such good shape, you know, was kind of a testament again. Tomlin was talking about how these young guys, he's they've really shown him something by what they did in the offseason. We talked about early on during the shutdown, what an advantage it was going to be for those teams whose guys were diligent about staying in shape. And from what I've seen from the Braves in these inter-squad games, I haven't seen one guy who looks really rusty, who looks out of shape, nothing. I mean, guys like Ozzy and Acuna look like they're in better shape than they were at spring training, if that's possible. And then the pitchers, the four main guys, all through live BPs throughout the shutdown, three of them together and, uh, and Max out in uh, L.A. with Flaherty at their old Harvard-Westlake High School. They look good. And I think it's going to pay off for them once the season starts. I was really surprised at the amount of offense, you know, I, even just all around the league, too. I mean, I've yeah. probably watched t- seven to ten innings, and I've seen 16 to 20 homers yeah. in all these inter-squad games that are going on. I thought the bats would be way farther behind, but mm-hmm. seems like most guys, you know, they just kind of rode that spring training momentum and kept taking mitt bats and stuff, Because especially Freddie, man, to be – Going yeah. through what he went through and feeling as bad he's, as he was. And then I saw him take two at-bats yesterday. He hit a laser first pitch up the middle off of Newcomb, and then the next at-bat he hit a homer opposite field off him. Uh, he's just <laughs> he's just been touched, man. He's just special. Yeah. 
He's the he's the Chipper Jones. Roll out of bed, hit three hundred. It's it's just his swing is so simple and compact. He just yeah. puts the barrel on it, and you know I think being having being as tall as he is and having that leverage and and strong. You know, he never has to try too hard. He's always got this easy, quick swing and just peppers balls to left center. It's, I'm impressed. Every year I watch Freddie play, I'm more impressed with his, with his abilities. Yeah. Speaking of easy, quick swings with big power, uh, I watched Trout last night, man, and that swing. Mm. <laughs> wow, what a thing. That's, that's why I want him. That's why I want there to be more interleague. And yeah. I want every fan base to get to see this guy because – He's the best player I've ever seen. I, I threw him one pitch. I faced him once. I threw him a sinker, a foot off the plate, and almost in the dirt. And he crushed it off the wall in right center like it was just a beach, just a <laughs> shitty pitch. You know, it was like my best. I gave him everything I got, and he just laced a laser off the wall in right center in Oakland where the ball doesn't fly. And I just, I was watching him run around the bases and just thinking, man, you just, you know, it's that's one of those moments where you just step back and think, I'm watching something incredible right now. Like I'm watching greatness. And, you know, you're mad at yourself for getting hit, but I couldn't help but appreciate that moment, just how talented he is. I wish everybody got to see him play every year. Uh, speaking of talent, I just – I couldn't help but notice this week when uh, when the White Sox named Giolito to start – is their opening day starter. The, yeah. the, the Cardinals had already named Flaherty as their opening day starter. Freed is the Braves' number two starter. It is unheard of, ridiculous. You have three guys from the same high school team, <laughs> two know. opening day starters and one number two starter. They were on the same team at Harvard, Westlake High in L.A. It's Isn't that insane? That's insane. I, I played against one big leaguer in high school, Travis Buck. <laughs> that was it. My entire time in high school, I played against one big leaguer. But it, baseball's different down in California, man, yeah. Texas, Florida. They're, they're right. just so far ahead. But man, that's and, insane to have three guys on one staff. And Freed went to the school after his school dropped baseball, so he could kind of pick wherever he wanted to go. Yeah. So he's kind of you know recruited there, or you know, here come over here and join. It's <laughs> kind of bullshit. Join <laughs> Giolito, you know, it's private school. So, and then Giolito ended up uh, tearing his rotator cuff that year. So the one year they were together, because Max went over there for they weren't really on the same team very long. But that team going into the season had the number one left-handed prospect and number one right-handed prospect in the country. <laughs> and they've all and turned out. They've all And Flaherty a couple of years behind them. <laughs> Man. <laughs> coming up. This kid coming up, Flaherty, he's pretty good too. Jesus. He's on our JV. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even make the – he was a long man. He was eating innings for, for free. Um, so – just as we thought, you know, before spring training even began, I still think this rotation this rotation could go either way. It could be one of the best young rotations in baseball if Fulte and Newcomb can do what they can do, what we've seen them do, you know, multiple times. If they can do it consistently because the season only two year, two months long and Freed, you know, just avoids blisters and does keeps developing like he has the last couple of years, Soroka, if he, he could – if he just matched what he did last year, you know, never mind get better, which I think he will. But if he could just do what he did last year and those other four, three guys I mentioned do, you know, keep coming along and Fulte is like he's like, like you said in the second half when he came back from AAA last year from the demotion, it could be one of the best young rotations in the league. Yeah. But if Fulte were to have a first half like he did last year, which would be the entire two month season this year, and Nuke would kind of crumble like he does on occasion, or he has. And if anything happens, God forbid, to uh, Soroka or, and or Freed, then all of a sudden it could be one of the worst rotations in the league. So, And there aren't many rotations you could say that about that could be one of the best or one of the worst in the league. Yeah, I think it all – for me it all hinges on Newcomb. He's so close, man. But I was watching him pitch yesterday. I don't know if it's a focus thing or what, but uh -huh. he'll, he was ahead – you know, one, two to Freddie, and he just threw a fastball right down the middle to Freddie Freeman. You know, you don't, you're not getting right. away with that. Right. Um, but his stuff's so good. You know, it's, it, you just have to focus on every single pitch. And I, you know, when I watched him, he might have been getting tired. And when you get tired, it's a lot easier to just, you know, your arm lags and you miss. But with him, I think it's just a matter of knowing where to miss. You know, that was a big thing I always preached when, when I was talking to guys and teammates and stuff. Like if you're trying to throw, 
a one-two slider, I would always tell myself I'm either hitting the glove or it's in the dirt, but there's no chance this ball winds up in the zone. And you wind up, you know, you wind up throwing a few more non-competitive pitches where you bounce that slider, but you never hang it middle and get hurt like that. And that's just, that's all I've really seen. That's, I think, the big hang up for Nuke is he just leaves a few too many pitches in the middle of the zone because his stuff's so nasty. I think if he can just maintain that focus through his whole start and, and, and just keep making pitches because he doesn't even have to throw hard. I mean, he could throw 92 and still be nasty with that yeah. breaking ball. Uh, but if he could find a way to just zone in and, and just make pitches, I, he's one of those guys I'm saying is so close. Like, you know, you get tired of watching the tough starts and everything, but you don't, nobody understands how close this guy is to being a number two, like a solid, solid number two. If he, if he makes that step this year and then you got Soroka and Freed to deal with and Fulte shows up, I mean, that's a nightmare series to come into play in Atlanta. And then Kyle Wright, you know, he's shown on occasion what he's got. I mean, he's a tremendous talent. And then you got guys coming up behind him like Tucker Davidson, Ian Anderson. Yep. I mean, the, the, the rotation for the long term for years to come looks, looks outstanding. Good. Yeah. I, I just don't know, Nuke, the cerebral side of it, the focus part of it. I, I don't know if it's there. If it is, I, I agree with you. But last year as a reliever, you saw him come out and just let it eat, just air it out, and he really thrived in that role where he didn't have to, you know, pace himself or think ahead and all that. Just came out and just go. And I think as a starter, especially in this short season with the big pitching staff, you're going to have so many pitchers out there. That's the way he's got to approach it, come out. Whether you go one inning or three or five, just come out and do like you did as a reliever. And and as Tomlin said, he's got to come out and go aggressive from pitch one. Just let it go. Yep. yep. Lock in from pitch one and, and it's not just, Maddox here. I mean, you know, thinking no. batters ahead and all that, whatever. But that's you know, that's why I couldn't I, I couldn't be a starter. And and I'm saying this about Nuke like it's a focus thing, because I know I would I would lose focus in that third or fourth inning and just throw a couple lazy pitches and all of a sudden I'm second, mm-hmm. third, no outs, uh-huh. and my whole start blows up. You know, I would just kind of go into la la land in between innings. And I just come out flat for, for just, you know, that's the hard thing. I think you saw it with Tim Hudson a lot. Huddy would always have one bad inning. Uh-huh. Otherwise, Huddy's a Hall of Famer. And he knew that too. But he'd just have that one inning where he'd come out and just walk the leadoff guy and give up a couple singles. And all of a sudden, he goes seven innings, four runs instead of seven innings, you know, two hits. Um, but that that was my big problem, you know, coming up through the minors is I would just lose focus. And it takes, you know, it's it's it takes a special guy to be able to focus for seven straight innings and keep making mm-hmm. quality pitches and, and stay locked in. But if Newt can turn that corner and and just keep making pitches for his whole start, I mean, it, yeah. sky's the limit for him. His stuff's unbelievable. I remember Tehran for for a few of those yep. years really struggled in that first inning, but then after that he was locked in. That dude, if yep. you didn't get him in the first inning, he was nails he was for seven. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing with Nuke. It's if he could just find a way to to even even if he has that bad inning, just to minimize the damage. Yeah, you know, have it be a one spot or a two spot instead of three or four. But I saw that inning on him fall apart yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, he got ahead of almost every guy, and then he just you know throw a ball right down the middle or something, and it's one pitch, man. You could just lose focus for one pitch, leave it middle, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. It's hard. It's it's not easy. So that's where you end up turning to a guy like with all these young pitchers and everything. That's how you can end up turning to a guy like Tomlin to get him stretched yep. out. They brought him to summer camp and said, you know, after King Felix opted out and Hamels was hurt, um, you said, let's get him stretched out just in case. And, you know, two weeks later, here he is ready to, ready to be a five starter if they need him to do that. But he came to camp right. as a non-roster invitee. Gave- if you gave Tomlin any of these guys stuff, he's a number one starter. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of the you know it kind of happens through baseball as your talent falls off because Tomlin, man, he brings it, he locks in every time they call on him, whether it's mm-hmm. three innings today and then he pitches tomorrow or or the vice versa. Every time they throw him out there, he seems locked in. He comes in aggressive, throwing strikes. He just doesn't have the stuff to. Right. I mean, he can make his pitch and still give up a homer. Right. Whereas you know, if Nuke makes his pitches, you're you're out. And so if Tomlin, you know, if Tomlin can do that, you know, maybe he could talk and, and, and that stuff can rub off on guys. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if you imagine like a guy like Soroka, that's what makes him so special is his mental, the mental side of his game mm-hmm. accompanied by his talent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, I think if Newt can get there and, and just focus the way those guys do and, and kind of just stay locked in for that whole start. I mean, he's nasty, man. He could be John Lester. Who doesn't love a clean shaven man? 
Hey, producer Cam here, and yes, this does sound like an ass scene on TV ad, but I'll tell you what, Manscaped's results are proven. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game to the max. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Not 1.0, not 2.0, but 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, yes, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is, I will say, the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. And guess what? Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, ooh, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code listen up the athletic 20 again that's the athletic 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code the athletic 20 and for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the shed travel bag a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer brief so go to manscaped.com today and use the code the athletic 20 back to the show last year tomlin only made one start in 51 appearances like i said but was invaluable in the role that he had, but he's not that far removed from being a member of Cleveland's rotation in 2016 when they went to the World Series. He was in the rotation all year. It made two starts in the World Series in that seven-game yeah. World Series loss to the Cubs. Won a start in each of the division series and the uh, ALCS. So he doesn't have the stuff anymore, and that's why you said he gives up home runs. He doesn't walk anybody, though, and Snit loves that. He was one of the yeah. few guys last year that didn't walk anybody. And then they brought in some more guys that didn't walk people like Chris Martin. They traded for late. And then you get Will Smith in the offseason, who also doesn't walk many guys. So, um, you know, if nothing else, Tomlin has been able to provide plenty of veteran advice for these young guys, as has Hamels. Um, in that regard, Max Free told me that uh, Hamels, I said, has it been, you know, even though he's been hurt, has it been is picking his brain like you had talked about doing, has that come to fruition and been what you'd hoped it would be? And and Freed said, if anything, better. He said, he's yeah. been so helpful, you know, talking about the change, talking about everything. And Freed asked questions, like you said. And, and he said, Hamels has been great. He hasn't been like, you know, pissy because he's hurt, whatever. He's really been down there and helped these guys a lot, especially Freed. It's, so, you know, if you make Freed better, just just that Thanks part. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah, the seven million they're paying him this year will have been worth it if Freed in the long run is better for it. You know, if they get a few starts out of Hamels, great. But if you help, well, at he's least gonna provide help. value down the stretch anyway. I mean, that I was kind of the original plan was to get him back, like right now. So even it's just yeah. that trade that trade acquisition mindset now with him, where if they can find a way to weather the storm, or even if everybody's going off, like he's not, he's going to be a welcome addition, especially mm-hmm. with his experience going into right. playoffs. He's definitely a guy you want around and. Man, if he can, it, I, I want him. I'd put his locker between Freed and Newcomb <laughs> if I was setting up the clubhouse. I know everything's all spaced out and jacked up now, but yeah. if he can rub off on those guys, man, it'd be huge. And I think that's why Snit, they're going to be very careful with Hamels because they can't afford to have him bring him back, pitch when he's not 100% healthy, and then have this triceps tendonitis act up in, you know, the middle of the two month season. So instead, they'll wait till he feels perfectly fine. Yeah. Then hope that he can just go from from the time he gets back, whether it's make four, five, ten starts, you know, eight starts, whatever it is, uh, and be ready, uh, you know, for that second month of the two month season and for the playoffs. If they can get that out of him, keep him healthy, it'll be worth the investment. Yeah, and you'd much rather have him wait, 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 and and make sure he's healthy and solid when he does take the mound, so you're not losing him again. Then you know, if he's a young guy, he'd probably be trying to push and pitch right, right now. But he's, I think he learned his lesson last year. So Puig falls through. The Braves, uh, you know, people are like, oh, can't they still sign him? A lot of people seem surprised that they didn't sign him, even though he tested positive. I'm like, that would be just idiotic. That would be a terrible business move. You have no idea when he's going to test negative. It might be tomorrow, but it might not be at all. I mean, look at Will Smith. You know, he still hasn't tested 
uh, negative and he hasn't had any symptoms. So in a two month season, you can't sign Puig and then hope he gets healthy, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's no reason to pay him to be sitting at home, you know, hitting no. in the cage and no and other team's doing it. And that's tests. why, you know? If yeah. You, but I think, you know, if he, if he passes and shows he's, he's clear of it, 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 yeah, that would if be you were interested in him, then then why yeah. not take another look? But there's, yeah, that's got to play itself out. There's a little less of a need now with Matt Adams, aka Big City. He, but you know, he's strictly a Adams is strictly a platoon or backup player at this point. He can still hit bombs against right-handers, so there might be a spot for him on the Braves roster if they don't get you know someone off the other, someone else off the waiver wire or another opt-out free agent. But he's 31. And he had 20 homers for the World Series champions last year for the Nats. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Adams can definitely provide something. Yeah, and I think he's just a guy that, you know, is a lot better in the lineup. But yeah, I know when when we played together, he was doing all these Pilates and all this. He had this life-changing Pilates program he got on that that allowed his body to feel good every day. And that's really hard to do as a pinch hitter. Uh, If you stop moving, I think he's got back or something or hip or something going on. But if when you stop moving and you're just waiting for go time, it's 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 a lot of anxiety trying to get your body to stay loose and stay ready versus just running around the field and playing. Yeah. And so guys like that sometimes are a lot right. better to just be in the lineup from the get go. Um, but still having that left handed bat off the bench, you know, throw them out there in the seventh or eighth for a big at bat's huge. If uh, you can find a way to make it work, or you could de- you know even even do DH. some kind of a platoon DH with Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, depending on how Zuna's hitting. Yeah. And obviously, it's nice to have him there, him and uh, Yonder Alonso both to cover if Freddie has any type of thing. You know, at least you got somebody you can stick in there. It's not just, uh, you know, a triple A guy you're hoping can, can pull it off. Yeah, but it's so huge having Freddie back. I mean, that, oh, that changes yeah. everything. It changes everything, man. Everything. It's like yesterday, uh, Austin Riley was talking about, I said, how much of a sense of relief was it when Freddie came back? And he goes, oh, it's huge. I mean, you're talking about your number three hitter, your best, the best hitter on our team, and yeah. we're talking about having to play without him in a two month season. So to get him back was just huge. And being um, short on lefty bats, and you get the best, one of the best in the league back. Yeah, and Riley move, can move back from first to third, where he's yep. where he wants to be. You know, he wants to play for a long time at third base. That's his most comfortable position, and where he wants to be. So, but your three hole hitter, I mean, you take him out of there, and who knows what they were going to. Man, it was not going to be the lineup was not going to be. It's going to be a shell of what it can be without Freddie in there. No, and that's how fragile. I mean, every lineup, every team is this season because it could happen. I think that's kind of what they're preparing for with Alonzo and Adams and having guys. You know, just looking at not having Freddie was probably pretty scary for the team. Yeah. Uh-huh. But anybody could lose any player at any minute, and and there's yeah. that one guy that you just can't afford to lose. And the Braves happen to have him test positive, so I know they're thrilled. Uh, Freddie's back in the lineup because that whole lineup just revolves around him. Um. I'm sure most Braves fans can recall it wasn't long ago. Uh, 2017, Freddie had the broken wrist in May yeah. when he got hit by pitch. They trade for Matt Adams from the Cardinals like that Huge. that day or the next day, and he comes yep. in. He went off, and he was he was tremendous for them that year. He uh, they had traded to get him to replace Freddie. Big City comes in first 31 games for the Braves. Matt Adams hit 298 with 12 homers, 20 extra base hits, 31 RBIs in 31 games and a 1009 OPS. Freddie, he was so good that when Freddie was ready after the All-Star break, it was Freddie who suggested that he could go to third base to keep oh, Matt Adams right. in the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie, right. you know, who's who's a guy who's on a Hall of Fame path yeah. right now, one of the best third. players in the league, and he said, "I'll go over to third base. You can keep him." That was all you needed to know about Freddie Freeman, right there. To even, yeah. I don't know many guys that would even do that. Man, play out of position like that—a position he had not played since high school. But Freddie just wants to win. He's been—he's—he went through the rebuild. Yeah. He just wants to win. Uh, it, it, you know, he wants to—he wants to play in the playoffs. I know that's why he pushed it so hard, even when he was struggling last year, but. You know, having a guy like that, and and the, the message that sends when Freddie's moving to yeah. third base is everybody can put their ego aside and and just get in line. It, it's so good to have a leader like that. It only lasted about two and a half weeks. It was sixteen games. Freddie played over there three weeks. Uh, Forgot he did that. Adams couldn't keep up the power surge, so he moved back. And last season with the Nats, Adams hit 
230 with a 757 OPS and 16 homers and 270 plate appearances against righties. Against lefties, he was only 210 with a 674 OPS and four homers and 63 PA. So, I mean, he's obviously a platoon guy at this point of his career. But like you said, he's better, far better when he's in there getting multiple at-bats in a game. And I didn't even yeah. thought about that thing with the Pilates, which when he lost all that weight and, and got in shape. But that makes sense because it's he was not, to keep his body going. Yeah, he was not good as a pinch hitter last year. He was three for thirty three with no walks and nineteen strikeouts as a pinch hitter. Albeit yeah. two of the three hits were homers, but still, that's not good, man. Yeah, he got three hundred at bats, so he must have been he must have been in the lineup yeah. quite a bit, and then then thrown into pinch hit here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's something that that's like the, one of the hardest uh, things for guys to do. Eric Kinski used to talk about that all the time, mm-hmm. how hard it was to adopt the mindset because it, all of a sudden you're basically a relief pitcher, and that's the hardest thing to do as a relief pitcher. When you see a guy lose his role in the bullpen, sometimes they'll just fall off a cliff from there because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're trying to get ready for five, six, seven, eight, nine. They don't know what inning they're going in, and the whole time they're trying to move and feel good versus the closers just sitting there with his feet up. He starts stretching in the seventh. Uh, and so it's the same mindset with a pinch hitter, you know, trying to stay ready, stay locked in. Who am I going to face watching the game? It, it it almost takes a mental toll on guys. But if Matt, if Adams can figure that out or if they can DH him with with switching off him and Ozuna, man, both those guys are scary at the dish. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both guys that can do damage. So you can you can put them in good matchups. It's, it's definitely a good pickup in my mind. For now, at least uh, they've got. Yonder Alonso on the 40, they had to do, you know, with him, he had the opt-out in his, in his contract too. So they put him on the 40 this weekend along with Tomlin. And Adams on a minor league deal for now because there's going to be several more moves, I think, between now and opening day. Yeah. All these teams are shuffling guys. They have veterans with opt-outs. They're having to decide, you know, who's going to be – who can stay healthy, who can help us out, who who do we need to open a spot for, you know. So there's there's going to be a lot of moves between now and uh, and Friday, I think. Or Thursday. But, yeah, and there's always guys getting released and kind of floating around last yeah. minute that you can pick up. Uh, I, don't I mean, I don't know if there's going to be much better players than Puig out there. No, no. I, and I hadn't even thought about Adams. You know, there's guys like him. They just pop players up. at this point, but huh? The, you know, the guys that just pop up, you know, they right, get released right. or something like that, and you plug them in, they fit your team, and you grab them. And Alex Anthopoulos is really good at that stuff, man. Yeah, he, he is. He does not let guys pass by that can help him out. They find a way to, to do it. He's always got given himself flexibility with the, with the roster, yeah. too. He knows how to manipulate mm-hmm. a roster and play by whatever the rules are. And this year, they're obviously, the rules are very different. <laughs> Crazy. But, he seems, but he seems to have a handle on it with what they're doing. So There's a lot of extra roster spots to play with this year, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you put a guy on the forty-five day uh, IL or the COVID. You put a guy on the COVID IL, which the Braves have like what three guys still on it, and that's a, opens a spot on your forty-man roster at least temporarily while that person's on the on the COVID. <laughs> I wonder if a dude starts struggling if they just test him like four times a day and see if they can get get a positive. <laughs> <laughs> You'd see or that saying, coming, I guess. No, you know. I, I, I'm not insinuating that anybody would do it, but you could say he was exposed hey, to somebody. What are they going to yeah, say? Go, hey, dude, can you go to the beach for just like a week straight? <laughs> just we'll just see if we could. But they could just say you. they could just have the yeah, guy say, say I was that. exposed to somebody. My friend had it. I didn't test positive, but you still have got to go through all the protocols. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to track down every Uber you rode in. You can just say it was some Uber drivers. I'm exactly. sure teams are going to manipulate that. I didn't even think of that. They could just yeah. lie. <laughs> That's a slippery slope. Yep. Uh, so, Eric, what did you think hearing Freddie describe his COVID-19 nightmare? What an ordeal for basically three days of kind of sheer hell that he went through, including that night where he had a fucking 104.5 degree temperature. It's scary. You know, I think <laughs> – yeah, it's it's funny because he's like he's the first guy I know personally that's had it and and actually had really bad symptoms of it, and yeah. that's a young, healthy. I mean, he's in shape. He's what's he thirty thirty now? I don't know how 30. old. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, he's thirty. You know, he's supposed to be safe. So for a guy to go through that, I mean, it, it just opens with his kid in the house, wife yeah. in the house. You know, yeah, you, you see that stuff happen, man. I mean, I think it it wakes you up to how scary this thing can be. Mm-hmm. And then you got other guys that are just trying to test positive or trying to test negative and they have right. no symptoms. No symptoms. Um, 
but yeah, him him describing all that, man. I mean, it, it kind of hit home for me. You know, I'm I'm five years older than him, and I haven't been too scared of this thing. But shit, you just never know. Yeah. It, it, and him being scared like that too, you know, not yeah, just he necessarily. He no, don't take me. He's, he yeah. said his body was so hot that night that he was he was scared. Yeah, that's not nothing. That's that's not something you just shrug off. He was said he was glad um, the trainer wasn't awake. George wasn't awake because he said I was texting him. If he'd been awake and seen my text, he would have said to go to the hospital. And he and Freddie said, you know, fortunately the temperature was down a degree by you know the next morning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much we still don't know about this thing. Yeah. I think that's that's probably why Mark isn't that the night Marquez yeah. talked to him. Nick called him, and Freddie said he just happened to call my worst night, you know. And I wish I yeah. could have sounded better, but I had a 104.5, and he said I know I sounded terrible. And he said Nick uh, talked, you know, Freddie didn't really find out till like a day later that Nick was thinking about not playing. And he said I thought about calling him, try to talk him out of it, but then I thought. I'm not comfortable doing that. He goes, I don't think it's my place or Alex and place or Snit's place to try to talk somebody out of it for this is a health thing where if people are not a hundred percent committed to doing it, then you can't, you, you can't do that. You can't make somebody or talk somebody out of do of not playing if they don't, if they're not committed to play it. And it made sense. Yeah. To be honest, I thought, I thought after some of the tests and everything going on early, I thought you'd see a lot more guys off than out by now, but too. there really hasn't been. Hasn't been no and no superstars. I mean David None. Price, but you know Posey, I guess Posey, Posey. But he had a, he had extenuating circumstances. They adopted the twins that were in uh, neonatal intensive care. Yeah, so that was the responsible thing with him and Price. You're talking about guys like Price and and uh, and King Felix, guys that have made those two over two hundred million dollars, and even uh, even Nick, you know, has made he's a made lot enough. of money. He's made yeah. plenty. And he's 36. So, you know, you're not talking about any guys, no guys like in their 20s in the prime that are big stars. None of them have opted out. Trout, people talked about Trout might do it. Nobody's done it yet. Yeah, I know Trout's supposed to have a kid this year or his yeah. wife's pregnant or right or something right now. And I don't know how uh-huh. all, th- all that'll work, you know, leaving and, and like trying June, to come I back think. in. But, July, I mean. But, I yeah, I mean, this Baseball starting soon, but there's this isn't going away. You know, it's it's not going to be it's no. going to be a problem, and teams are going to have to work around it all year. But it's uh, nice to see some games coming. Even these inter squad games are fun to watch right they're now. They're fun for to me. watch, man. I'm, I like I the crowd noise. I do too, and I never thought I would say that, but I really <laughs> like it. It makes a huge difference. The first couple of inter squads that Braves played with dead silence was really awkward. Yeah, and I'm already used to the crowd noise now. And the guys are getting better at it. the guys. You know, they have to manipulate it. The sound effects that MLB gave them, like 70 sounds, including that low hum of the crowd. I like that. Yeah, and I like you gotta, that too. And you got to kind of coordinate the cheers with, you know, be ready when it, when the balls hit off the bat because crowds get it fast, you know, like they gasp, you know, when the balls hit hard. So you got to be ready. But they're getting a Start handle on it, buttons. I think. It feels but real you, now. The dude doing the Braves one just does a cheer every time anything happens. It's either an out <laughs> for the Braves or a hit for the Braves. <laughs> you know, so he's just pumping that cheer button. I think it's harder for the teams that are playing another squad or, you know, you got to have I haven't heard booze yet, mix. have you? Somebody, no, they gotta have booze on there. <laughs> I'd be hammering that thing. I hope they. That'd have be a booze. fun job, honestly. I'd love to be in control of that during the season. It'd be much more realistic if they have booze. If your guys getting lit up, a place yeah. like New York, <laughs> even here. <laughs> you, if you a Mets a- reliever gives it up, man, they better turn on that boo, or it's not realistic at all. <laughs> exactly. But I did like. I was watching the Mets game. And they had those cutouts of fans that, are, you yeah. know, they look stupid. But if you're not looking at the cutouts and there's just cutouts in the background yeah. and yeah. there's crowd noise and real announcers, when you're just watching and sitting on your couch, man, it don't, it, it feels pretty realistic. I, it, I like it a lot. It's not it's bad at all. Way better than those games I was watching in Korea where there's just yes. completely empty, no crowd noise in the background. And I mean, they had me, cheerleaders going in Korea, which that, made it even throw, worse. Yeah, <laughs> with, with no fans. No fans. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I I really did not think I liked would like the piped in sound, but I like. I love it. it. You know, even if it's just the low hum, you could have that play the whole time. Even if just you, have that, you know. But the cheers, yeah. if you coordinate it, it does work. <laughs> so a couple, Freddie. Uh, Freddie made it his first game back. He hit. He roped a. They gave a triple. It was over Acuna's head at the warning track. Um, Acuna came in first, took a step in, but. Uh, 
Freddie made one of those patented Freddie over-the-shoulder catches that he makes in foul territory, which I think he makes as well as any first baseman Anybody. or third baseman yeah. in the league. He made one his first game back, and he and the cheer thing came up, and he tipped his hat to the to the <laughs> to the to the fake noise. It was pretty cool. Yeah, you find guys will have they'll find a way to have fun with it all. I mean, it's it's still a it's still a grind, even if it's a sixty game season with all the other stuff they're dealing with. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I've I've liked it. I don't mind it at all. I think some people are kind of annoyed with it, but for me, it's it's better than nothing. What better way to celebrate the return of baseball than with a dugout mug? Dugout Mugs is a company that was started in a college baseball dugout, hence the name. What they do is they take the barrel of a baseball bat and they transform it into a 12-ounce mug. Hey, make sure to put beverages in this 12-ounce mug, but if you don't want to put a nice refreshing drink inside, make sure to put it on display, whether it's on top of the fireplace mantle, on a table, maybe even on top of a TV if you don't have a flat screen. But guess what? Dugout Mugs is also licensed by Major League Baseball, so your favorite team can be laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug it's a unique gift for a baseball fan and if you visit dugoutmugs.com forward slash the athletic today and use promo code mlb30 that's all one word mlb30 you get 30 percent off your first purchase that's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and code mlb30 fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today uh just a couple more things here before we wrap it up. i got i got an opening day story coming up uh Previous story coming up Wednesday. And, and it, there were some good quotes from guys. Max Freed was talking about this rotation and this team. You know, it's not exactly the rotation they had thought, but they these guys are jacked up, man. Max said, we got big plans. We're expecting to compete and win. So it's just getting ready to go out there and win ball games, whether it's game two or game five, game one, whatever it is, it's all the same. Just go out, just go out there and win ball games. He was talking about, you know, being a number two starter, yeah. how cool it was. You know, this is, you know, he's he had a couple of years where he was back and forth between AAA yep. and the majors, back and forth between the bullpen and the and the start and the rotation. wasn't sure if he's going to get start, and he's obviously been a starter his whole life, and he was a top prospect. So to be to go into a season as a starter, as the number two guy, he's really excited, and he looks really good. Well, that's when your career can take off too, because you know, like for me, my career took off when I made it to arbitration the first time, right? And you stop worrying about getting sent down, you stop worrying about losing your job. There's a sense of relief all of a sudden. I'm just a big league pitcher and I go out and do my job. I mean, it takes away a lot of the distractions and, and other stuff that you want to keep out of your head anyway. But you could take a huge step forward once you feel like you're a dude and you're on the team and you're not going anywhere. So I could see him taking off. But when I look at the rotation, man, you think about like how how much of a nightmare it was to face um, Matt Harvey, Syndergaard, and DeGrom. Uh-huh. And, and that's the talent these guys have. And they yeah. just got to take that step that those guys took. I mean, Harvey kind of fell off, but Syndergaard and DeGrom took that next step. And you can you can go in and you could deal with Freed, Soroka, a hot Fulte, Newcomb figuring it out. And yeah. and just you just don't have a shot for three games. you know. And that, and that does a lot to the other team's mentality, knowing what they're up against. It's, it's an edge just knowing you're going to face all that talent. So there's no reason... They, I mean, you could see this team having the best rotation in the game. It's, it's just the youth that makes you question it. But they could really take off and do some special things this year with all the talent. I just got a text from Matt Harvey. He says thank you for saying that his <laughs> he, fe- he fell off a little bit. <laughs> well, that's not. I mean, I'm just being honest. I like Matt. <laughs> I like him a lot. But I, you yeah, know, he knows where a, he's at now. Euphemism to say he fell off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um. So after Soroka becomes the youngest pitcher in Braves in modern franchise history, that's like 115 years at least, 22 years old, my youngest opening day starting pitcher. So after he goes, after he does that, Freed on Saturday makes his – it'll only be his 40th career start. 30 of those came last year during his 17-win season in his first full season in the majors. So the f- numbers one and two have like 70, 75 starts between them. Soroka is 14 years younger than Hamels, and Soroka was an NL runner, uh, rookie of the year runner-up last year, 268 ERA, made the All-Star team, runner-up, of course, to uh, a historic season by Pete Alonso with the Mets, 53 homers, rookie record, led the majors in homers. So, yeah, no shame in being the runner-up that year. No, it's tough and, year to be a to to be a rookie. <laughs> so he faces. In his first opening day start, he faces the two-time defending NL Cy Young Award winner, Jacob deGrom. <laughs> Soroka said he wouldn't have it any other way. He said, I mean, 
He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball for a while now, arguably the best for the last couple of years. He's special to watch and special to compete with. I've gotten to do it a couple of times. How about this? Soroka's faced DeGrom twice, once in each of the past two seasons. Soroka won both games, outpitched DeGrom, at least by a little, in both games. And that's a distinction that very few pitchers can say that they have. His fourth career start in June 2018, Soroka had, he gave up one hit, one walk, and six and a third, 2-0 win against the Mets and DeGrom. DeGrom gave up seven hits and one earned that day in seven innings. Okay, then then they faced again last year in June, late June, June 28th, at uh, City Field. Soroka limited the Mets to seven hits, two runs, no walks, and six and a third. 6-2 win. DeGrom gave up six hits, three runs, and two walks. So he's won two games against. He's only two games against DeGrom. I mean, that's what you got to do if you want to be an ace. Yeah. And th- those are the guys you got to beat. I mean, that's what, that was, that's what makes him so special, though, is that he can already do that at 22. Yeah. He says, obviously, you know, I, we won't be able to face each other at the plate this time around. So that'll be a little change. But nice. I'm excited, but I'm excited <laughs> nonetheless, Soroka said. He's yeah, confident. It's nice not man. having to face him. He's confident. Yeah, so that's much a, the crazy thing about Soroka is he's just got to keep doing what he's already done. Yeah. He could repeat you know, he last year 10 better. times, and, that, and that'd be a hell of a Hall career. Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's insane how good he is. Um, that late June win against the Mets improved Soroka's record to, at the time, 9-1 and one with a 2-1-3 ERA and 14 starts. And that was because he had spent the first three weeks of the season on the injured list, recovering from that early spring shoulder strain that happened before spring training even began. So if he pitches every five days this year in this com- compressed sort of season, 60 games in 66 days, he would make 12 or 13 starts. He had a – last year, he had a 2.07 ERA after 13 starts. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, he said he doesn't see any reason he can't do the same thing this year in a compressed season with the Braves playing 60 and 66 days, including 20 in 20 days out of the shoot. You know, the good thing about Soroka, too, is is he's got such late movement on his ball. It just seems to take off the last second, you know, a little extra sink, a little extra break on a slider. Yeah. He gets away with a lot of mistakes. And he doesn't make a lot, but when yeah. he does make them, he's th- he's that guy that can miss middle, and he's still got so much movement on his sinker. He gets a ground ball to shortstop, even if it's hit hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that, having that ability, um, he doesn't have to throw hard. He doesn't have to overdo it. He doesn't have to try to be better. Uh, I mean, he's obviously the guy you're relying on. But man, this the combination of everything with him, the, the maturity, the movement, the stuff he's got. And yeah, it, it's I, I just every time he pitches, you you can't help but feel good about it. That's what Austin Riley said the other day. He compared him because he said he could he even when he throws the ball, he'll throw the ball right down the middle over the plate and yep. still get a ground ball, yep. get a double play or whatever. He compared him to Syndergaard. He said doesn't have the velocity, but that same sinker that I he goes I couldn't hit Syndergaard. And Riley faced uh, uh, Soroka the other day for the first time in in a scrimmage game, and he said mm. he's nasty, man. Said yeah, you don't. You don't have to guy. light up the gun. You don't have to light up the gun to to be nasty. And uh, him having that understanding of it, because I think he could throw ninety six every pitch if he wanted to. But him having that understanding to just focus on the direction and movement of his pitches, uh-huh. it's going to keep his pitch count down. Um, it, it's just health for him. You know, he had that shoulder thing last year, and then he stayed healthy. But it, it's it one of those guys that, yeah, yeah. If he stays healthy, I mean, you could you feel like you could just book six seven innings of of really good baseball every time he pitches. So after July first, he was four and three with a three two ERA. Okay, good, not not terrific. But then he pitched. Remember that he pitched one of the best games of his career against Wainwright in St. Louis, where Wainwright was like one of the best home pitchers of the year last year. Crowd was going crazy, and uh, Soroka outpitched Wainwright in that game. Yeah, he gave up two hits, one run, and seven scoreless. Uh, uh, two hits, one walk, and seven scoreless innings of that that three one win. And that gave the Braves a 2-1 series win. And they lost. They blew it and lost in five games. And, of course, that led to the decision uh, or, or the criticism of, of waiting yeah. to start Soroka on the road. And you had said from yeah. day one when they said that, I think they're getting too cute holding him back, even though he had the best road ERA in the majors. It's the playoffs now. Can't hold back your best pitcher. And as it turns out. Well, he's got to get over that, have. too. He's got to yeah. figure out a way to put up just to put that to bed. 
you know, he, he's got to p- find a way to pitch better at home. I don't know, you know, no crowds, right. if that has any influence on it or not, or if it's something with the mound at, at Sun Tr- or Truce Park. But it, he's got to find a way to put that to bed where they feel confident when you go to the playoffs this year. I don't think they'd risk it again anyway. No, I think they he's would starting not twice. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's starting twice, but he's got to figure out a way uh, to, to be the same guy at home if he can, because there's no chance you can start him in one one game in a series again this year. I can guarantee you if they get to the playoffs, unless he has to pitch that last game of the season, you know, for some reason, Soroka will be pitching game one of the playoffs, <laughs> wherever it is. He better, man. Yeah. They yeah got I'm not, that I can't five imagine game, that. That five-game series against Cardinals, they started Keichel and Fulte each twice, and out of those four starts, only one of them was good. Fulte's great game against Flaherty in game two. The other three were not. Yeah, yeah, he's got to start twice. And so he's just he's just got to pitch better at home and put that to bed. And you know, Soroka said there won't be any kind of the typical pacing involved with a one sixty two game season. He his quote was, "I know I'm going to go out there and lay it on the line. I want to make sure that I'm in the right headspace for that, knowing that it's only sixty games. It's going to be hard balance between being pedaled to the metal and knowing when to back off a little bit. Some of the things last year." were being able to stay pitch to pitch just because it was only the now that mattered. He said, I think a big struggle this year is going to be making sure that I don't get too far ahead of myself, make sure I stay within myself and that I'm competing every single pitch instead of worrying about the next one. Those are things you say when you're 29, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to just to be aware of that already and conscious of it. I mean, I think that that alone is a good sign that he's going to be all right, but yeah, it's, you know, there's no time to mess around this year. Yeah. Snit confirmed that fifth spot could kind of rotate, evolve. They could even use a uh, uh, an opener, you know, on occasion with that, just depending on where they are. I mean, there's going to be every game. He said, every game is going to be really, really important. Not that they all aren't important over 162, but in this expedited season or whatever, that's kind of the thinking. Yeah, you got to come out ready to roll. And that, that's the other side of it where, you know, you need – you need your whole staff to have that mindset, mm-hmm. the whole team. But everybody's got to understand that it, it's basically just August first right now. If you're in a regular season, and there's a good side to that too, because you're starting with a you're starting in first place. But yeah. every team's starting in first place. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked about Soroka and Fulton and Nuke throwing together five six days a week at uh, Campbell High School outside Atlanta, suburban Atlanta, and they threw two bullpen sessions a week and also some live BP when Acuna and Albies and Camargo and Charlie Culberson would stop by. So, I mean, they stayed on it the whole time and Freed threw in L.A. with uh, Jack Flaherty and with Freed's brother had just graduated from college. So, and they threw live BP with Flaherty, got some kids from out there to hit against them. So. All these young guys have really impressed Tomlin uh, after the shutdown. And Tomlin said, I think especially with how young this group is, they held themselves accountable and worked during this quarantine. Seeing the top two guys, Soroka and Freed, young guys, and Fulte and Newcomb, our starting pitchers came and hit the ground running. To me, that just shows the maturity level of this team, the culture of this clubhouse, guys that are accountable for themselves and want to be ready to play and win. Yeah. He said yeah, the I mean, whole- it's, it's impressive. He said the whole team, the way they came back from the pl- from the layoff, it seems like everybody came in and hit the ground running and was ready. And to me, that bodes well for this club, bodes well for the start of this because it's not a marathon anymore. It's a sprint from the get-go. And if you have a hiccup in the first 10 games of the season, it can cost you. So, yeah. So they got guys saying that stuff. So you don't have to worry about them coming out and not being aware of that. You know, they've got guys in their ears making sure everybody knows that, veteran guys. And Snit. Yeah, well, Snit definitely knows. Yeah. That, and that's that's going to be interesting to see how he manages, too, because it's a tendency. There's no time to get a guy like Newcomb going. Yeah. You know, there's no time to say, you know, well, let's get him through this start. You know, he's given up four in the first, and he starts off bad in the second. You might see a lot of quick hooks. Yeah. Because there's just there's no time to get guys going and figure it out. So that patience might be pretty short with him. But you also can't, you know, you can't beat up your bullpen. So you need guys to step up. But I think that's going to be a really different challenge for Snit this year, um, just having to win right off the bat. Because, you know, a lot of teams in April used to take it pretty, not take it easy, but right. you were just getting, you, you were trying to get guys going. You know, you always hear that story about uh, Bobby Cox giving Kelly like 30 at bats and he was over and, and how, how much that changed Kelly's career. 
Um, and you're always thinking about that with young guys. You don't want to have that quick hook with a guy like Newcomb because you want to get him going. You know how important he is. But trying to find that balance of getting him going and, and not getting in a hole, you know, that you can't get yourself dug out of early on in the season is going to be, I mean, that's going to be a different challenge for Snit. And last thing, Tomlin, it's funny because you pointed out, you know, how Soroka sounded like a 29-year-old with that comment. Tomlin said him and Freed, he was talking about him and Freed, Soroka and Freed, but he said about <laughs> Soroka, he said they're mature well beyond their years. There's no doubt about that. He goes, it's funny, me and Travis, Travis Darno and him, we're talking about it in the dugout the other night. He said, it's hard to think of a 22-year-old that wants to game plan for an intra-squad against your own players. Because <laughs> Soroka did. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I never I never even thought of anything like that, inter-squad or, or early early spring training games, even thinking about who you're facing. You know, I yeah. just go out there and throw in the ball, but... That's just who he is. I, that's that's why people just don't stop raving about his maturity. And every everybody, I think, that comes across the guy, I mean, it kind of opens their eyes and and just really, uh, it's just impressive, man. I was not thinking like that when I was twenty two. He said Thomas said he loves how these young guys don't try to beat each other. They they know that they they know their own game and they're not trying to be you know Soroka's not trying to be faulty. Faulty's not trying to be nuke. They're not Freed's not trying to be you know they they all do their thing. He says. uh, they work at it, and they talk to each other on the bench. He said, it's crazy, the dialogue they have with each other. Some of the best rotations I've ever been a part of, that's what it was like. You almost missed half the game because you're sitting there talking about how you faced this team or what you were doing against that team to try to understand little tidbits, to try to make yourself better or make that guy successful the next day. And you look up, and it's, oh, we're in the sixth inning. Let's let's pay attention and try to get into the game. But that's kind of the island that starting pitchers live on sometimes, and they're no different. He said that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Yeah. And like I'm saying, you know, if you asked me to any kind of input on a hitter at 22, I'd just say I threw whatever Jojima called. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, yeah. I was just throwing, you know, I was just throwing what – and starters obviously have to be a lot more advanced mentally, and that's why I wound up in the bullpen. But you just, you know – at 22, normally, I mean, the game's so fast, you're just trying to stay above water. And to have guys that young that are already thinking ahead and planning for inter-squad games, I mean, it's just, it's insane. And that, that's got to give you a lot of confidence about the rotation, too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Cool. All right, hey, look, we got, uh, we're going to talk again on Friday. And Is that opening day? Yeah, that's the opening day. We're going to have Damn. two inter-squad, or two regular exhibition games against the Marlins to talk about. Coming up Tuesday and tonight and Wednesday, and then they're gonna they're gonna fly to they have a travel day Thursday and they're gonna open third uh, Friday four o'clock in the afternoon against the Mets Soroka against Degrom. Oh so, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch. Good times. This baseball is here, man. I think this is actually gonna get off the ground, dude. It's got a shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a shot against all odds. Baseball is going to be the first get, first sport back when everybody was bashing it, including us. It's going to be the first sport back. Well, they made it. You know, that's it's all that matters. Yeah. Can't say the same about college football, man. It's starting to look a little grim for them. But baseball might have its own stage. Baseball in the NBA and the bubble down in uh, Orlando. Yeah, the bubble, I guess, had zero positive tests the last time they ran it through. That bubble's working. Yeah. So I think they're going to play for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk again on Friday. We appreciate you guys staying with us through this all, and uh, we're gonna have ba- we got baseball to talk about now, man. Uh, we will nice. see. All right. Seven fifty-five is real. We're out of here. Mm-hmm.